How is everybody doing? Who is excited in this place that the battle has been won? That it is finished? Yeah, Jesus, when he hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. And he wasn't talking about the end of his life. He was talking about the fact that now sin, sickness, death, defeat, it's finished. It's finished. We're free. You and I, we're free. And there cannot be any freedom without sacrifice, right? But we're free. And that's what we're remembering today. And so whilst it is solemn and whilst, whilst there's, it's very uh, emotional and, and uh, as we remember the sacrifice that people have made, we live in the fruit of that sacrifice. So what are we going to do with our freedom? What are we going to do with that? So I've got an interesting one for us today to look at. Um, if you've got your Bibles, wave them in the air like you just do care. Anybody got their Bible here? Well done, Eunice. Bible in the house. Some of your Bibles are glowing if you've got them on tablets or on phones. Supercharged Bibles. If you don't have them, don't worry. It's going to appear up here on the screen. Um, We're going to look at a moment in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 25. And I've got quite a bit to read to you. so So don't worry if you haven't read your Bible today. You're going to get in your Bible reading right now. Okay? So it's all good. I'm going to start at verse 1. It says, When the Son of Man appears in his majestic glory with all his angels by his side, he will take his seat on his throne of splendor and all the nations, say nations with me, will be gathered together before him. And like a shepherd who separates the sheep from the goats, he will separate all the people. Now this even, if just, just pause right there just one second because straight away Jesus' message here is radically counter-cultural to what they would have been used to in that time because Jesus is essentially saying that our God is the God of every nation, that our God is the God who cares about and He's not just the shepherd of Israel, which to that point they would have been like, hang on a minute, the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord, you know, He's our God. He's our tribal God. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. This God is the God for the ends of the earth. And so straight away, they would have been like, whoa, what is, what is Jesus about to say? The sheep he will put on his right side and the goats on his left. Then the king will turn to those on his right and say, you have a special place in my father's heart. Come and experience the full inheritance of the kingdom realm that has been destined for you from before the foundation of the world. For when you saw me hungry, you fed me. When you found me thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I had no place to stay, you invited me in. And when I was poorly clothed, you covered me. When I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. Then the godly will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and give you food and something to drink? When did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? When did we see you poorly clothed and cover you? When did we see you sick and tenderly care for you or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, don't you know? When you cared for one of the least important of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated love for me. Then to those on his left, the king will say, leave me for you are under the curse of eternal fire that has been destined for the devil and all his demons. 
heavy words, right? For when you saw me hungry, you refused to give me food. And when you saw me thirsty, you refused to give me something to drink. I had no place to stay and you refused to take me in as your guest. When you saw me poorly clothed, you closed your heart and you would not cover me. When you saw that I was sick, you didn't lift a finger to help me. And when I was imprisoned, you never came to visit me. And then those on his left will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and not give you food and something to drink? When? When did we see you homeless or poorly clothed? When did we see you sick and not help you or in prison and not visit you? Then he will answer them, don't you know? When you refuse to help one of the least important among these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you refuse to help and honour me. And they'll depart from his presence and go into eternal punishment. But the godly and beloved sheep will enter into eternal bliss. Now these are some heavy words. This is some high octane, seriously caffeinated Jesus words here, right? I mean, he was going straight for the jugular of the religious elite when he came and he spoke these words. So, you know, if you've got this image of meek and mild Jesus who would never hurt anybody who wanders around, well, doesn't even wander around, he just floats around wearing white and his customised blue sash with a, a lamb hanging over his shoulders then these words are probably going to be a little bit offensive to you today. In fact, when Becca asked me to talk on this message, I was like, Becca, you know, what, what do you want me to talk about? And we've been having a chat about how, uh, how so often God will, will uh, speak to us or He'll wrap something that He wants to do in our lives in an offensive package to see whether or not we'll receive it or not. So I basically feel like I've been given the right to be offensive this morning, all right? So let's take a deep breath. I want you to say to the person on your right-hand side, they're the sheep in the scenario, right? So say to the person on your right-hand side, Jesus is coming again. And now say to the person on your left-hand side, so look busy, look busy. Jesus is coming again, so look busy. Lord God, we thank you for these moments. We pray that you would speak to us in these moments. We pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, that you'd open our hearts, remove our stubbornness, remove our pride. Lord, we want to hear your voice today. And I pray that you'd silence me so that you can speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, so earlier on this year, um, Carolina decided to go and visit her family in Colombia. Now, I, I cannot believe that uh, my, my, my wife, my spouse would, would think of leaving me alone with four young children to fend for myself. I mean, who would do that kind of thing? You would never catch me doing something like that. Well, not more than about seven times a year anyway. So, uh, and we, we, we survived. I was determined to make sure that I would keep the house tidy and that I would make sure that, uh, that, that the kids wouldn't just eat McDonald's every day. I'd get them to school on time. I'd make sure that their um, homework would be done. And then the time arrived for Carolina's imminent return. At which point I suddenly realised that the housework had not been done for probably a good week. So... It was that moment where I was like, right, we've got to get everything done because I want her to arrive back and think that it's been spotless, spick and span the whole time, okay? So, so I mobilised the children. We had like a couple of hours before we were going to have to leave to go to the airport to pick Carolina up. And so 
What I thought we could do in two hours was clearly, I was clearly overestimating uh, what could actually be done in that time. But So we went to work. We were running around the house. We were tidying everything up. We were getting it all prepared. In fact, Eliana even had time to make some welcome home bunting for Carolina. And um, how many of you know that when there's urgency, you act differently? We act differently when there's urgency. In fact, there's a great old English word that uh, Linda Hubbard taught me this week. Uh, it's an old English word for when you uh, clean your house when there's, there's an imminent visit or somebody that is, uh, that is going to, to arrive. And it's the word scurry fund. Say with me, scurry fund. Isn't that a great word? Scurry fund. And I find that so often in my life, I'm a bit of a scurry funger. I find that so often in my life, I wait until the last minute and then I rush around like a headless chicken to try and get everything done. And sometimes this has really detrimental effects in my life. But at other times, the reality is, is that a little bit of urgency causes us to be able to do great things. You know, um, Malcolm Gladwell was a Canadian journalist. He wrote a really great book called David and Goliath, Underdogs, Misfits and the Art of Battling Giants. He said this, he said, people who bring transformative change have courage. They know how to reframe the problem and they have a sense of urgency. Phil Knight, who um, co-founded Nike, he says this, he says, dream audaciously, have the courage to fail forward and act with urgency, act with urgency. It's really clear that the, that the early church had this sense of urgency. They believed that Jesus was going to come back again. In fact, when they see Jesus ascend into heaven, the Bible says that uh, an angel appears because they're just like looking up like this and they're just waiting. They're kind of like, what's going to happen next? And this angel appears and says, hey guys, this same Jesus that went, he's going to come back again. And when the Holy Spirit comes and we know the story, the first thing that they do is they get out there on the streets and they get out there and they begin to tell everybody the message of Jesus. But a fundamental part of their message is that He's coming back. He's coming back and the time is at hand. And the same Jesus who, who, who left in this way is coming back as the conquering King to set up His glorious kingdom in this world and that death will be swallowed up with life and that, the, the, and that pain and suffering Suffering will end and that the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the sea. You can tell I'm excited about this because this is where this is all going, people. This is what we are on the way towards. And I know you might say to me, but Joe, that was 2,000 years ago and we're 2,000 years later. But how many of you know we are one day closer today than we were yesterday? We are one day closer to the culmination of all of these things that we sing about, that we pray about, that we long for. And we can see that this was so true to the early church. James 5, 7 to 9 says this, Meanwhile, brothers and sisters, we must be patient, filled with expectation as we wait for the appearing of the Lord. Think about the farmer who has to patiently wait for the earth's harvest as it ripens because of the early and latter rains. So you also keep Keep your hopes high and be patient for the presence of the Lord is drawing closer. Since each of you are part of God's family, never complain or grumble about each other so that judgment will not come on you for the true judge is near and ready to appear. 1 John 2, 18, dear children, the end of this age is near. The end of this age is near. We know that we are living in the closing hour of this age, they say. So, so what does this matter? Well, it matters because when we, when we live with this attitude, our priorities change. 
Our priorities become different. I mean, there's so much in this world that would dupe us into believing that life is all about having your perfect little family, having your house, having your extension done, having your new kitchen done, having this, having the latest thing that the commercials tell us that we've got to have. So much in this life dupes us into this, this, this sense that we, um, that, that, that we need to pursue all of these different things that essentially are things that are passing away. Not that there's anything wrong with a lot of those things, but the reality is, is that none of those things are really going to bring us joy and satisfaction and fulfilment. Isn't it ironic that we live in an age where social media and social community is greater than it's ever been and people will look at their Facebook um, friends uh, tally and see thousands of friends on their Facebook and yet we, we are lonelier than we have ever, ever been. It seems to me that the further that we fall into this this um, the, this kind of electronic fake world, the more that we lose ourselves and the more that we are fractured by distraction and by so many different things that would clamour for our attention. And none of those things are bringing us fulfilment. None of those things are actually answering the deep longing of our soul for connection with something divine, connection with something that is beyond all of this. And so we see these huge rises in, in, um, in mental illness. And, and this isn't meant to be judgmental in any way, but we suffer more than any generation before with depression and we suffer with fear and we suffer with anxiety in a way that those guys that stood out on the battlefield or that fought side by side in the trenches didn't suffer in the same way as we do. And I travel to nations all around the world and sometimes I, I travel to these places where they literally have nothing. They literally have the clothes on their back and they don't know whether they're going to eat that day. But there is joy in their community and there is life in their community and they love one another and they look out for one another. Why are we so lost? And I would submit to you this because we are running after the wrong things. We have urgency for all of the things that do not satisfy. And so in, in Romans, Paul says to, he says to them, everybody who has this hope, what hope? This hope that Jesus is coming again. Everybody that has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Do this knowing that the time is, is, is high time to awake out of our sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armour of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. Let us walk as in the day. And he says, so he essentially says, wake up, throw off, put on. We need to wake up to this reality. We're all going to die. I know this isn't, you know, I'd be like, this is a bit depressing, Joe. But the statistics on death are pretty impressive. If Jesus doesn't come back again, we are all going to die. And yet, tragically, so often we never really step into living. We never really step in to the life that God has for us. Somewhere between the moment that we take our first breath and our last breath, we stop living the kind of life that takes our breath away because we settle for so much less. We're anaesthetised into this, this, this dead life where I just think, well, if I could just have this, then I'll be happy. If I can just binge watch the latest Netflix show, then, then, I'll, then I'll be happy. And again, there's nothing wrong with those things, but they will not bring what only Jesus can bring. They will not bring life that you can live when you step out of the boat, when you get out of that place of comfort and when you see him move in ways that you could never have imagined. And so Jesus gives us this, 
this image here of, of sheep and goats, sheep and goats. In, in the Middle East, sheep and goats, they look very, very similar. Okay, you could easily confuse the two. And basically, there are some major differences. Some of the major differences are, are that a sheep will only follow the voice of their shepherd. I remember being in Israel, really near to the Dead Sea. I was with my grandfather. I was 18 at the time. And uh, we, we were about to leave to go on to the next place. And there were, all of the, there were these four shepherds and they were together. In this area, hundreds of sheep there. And we were, there was a bit of a rush to get back to the coach. And my grandfather said to me, no, just wait, just wait. This is going to be really cool. Just, just watch and see what happens. And we watched the shepherds and they began to walk in different directions. And as they walked in these different directions, they, they began to, some of them began to sing. One of them began to harm a tune. Another one of them began to speak. Uh, and what we saw was that all of these sheep that were mingled together all began to separate and follow their different shepherds, which absolutely amazing. Jesus talks a lot, doesn't he? about the fact that my sheep will know my voice. They will, they, will, they will hear what I tell them. Sheep only eat in the places where the shepherd leads them to eat. Goats, on the other hand, are very different. Okay, goats, basically, they'll eat whatever they want. They'll, they'll, they'll eat absolutely anything, right? Goats will eat anything, and they're also incredibly stubborn. So they will go off wherever they want and just get on with whatever they want to do. That's, that's the big difference here. And what Jesus is trying to say here is that my sheep have this intimate relationship with me. They'll listen to what I say, and they'll eat where I tell them to eat. Now, this is incredibly challenging, isn't it? Because the reality is so often we, we're, we're happy to eat junk, right? We're happy to eat just whatever, whatever comes towards us. We're happy to just put that into our soul. And then we wonder why we're so sick. And then we wonder why we're so broken. But it's because of what we are feeding ourselves. It's because we're putting in so much stuff within us. And then I love that in Jesus' Jesus' narrative here, he's basically talking to them about their actions because it's very easy for a goat to look exactly like a sheep. It's very easy for us to arrive in church and to say amen in all of the right places and to wave our hands and to feel the goosebumps and to sing our songs. And yet our Monday through to Saturday can be no different. It's very easy for us to look like we've got it all together and we love our masks and we love to, we love to like make out like everything's okay. But when we do that, when I do that, I am a goat. I'm being a goat. I'm, a, I'm being a goat when I choose to eat in places that my shepherd would not lead me to. I'm being a goat when I choose to do those things. I'm being a goat when I turn a blind eye towards the things that are most important to my shepherd. And clearly from here, what is most important to my shepherd is the lost and the broken and the, and the hurting and the disenfranchised and those people who, who don't have a voice. Jesus says, when you didn't do it to the least of these, it was like you weren't doing it to me. So when we don't even lift a finger it's like as if we're doing that to Jesus. I remember having so many experiences when um, I've been in slums of places around the world and there's this, this beautiful girl called Margarita in, um, in Cartucho, this slum in, in Colombia. And I remember sitting down with her and she was she's eight years old. She was off of her head on stuff. She was um, very, very sick in a, in a terrible place forced into un do unspeakable things by her parents. And I remember just sitting next to her and looking into her eyes. And for a moment, just being aware of the fact that I was looking into the eyes of Jesus. That sanctity within the, within, within the poor, 
within these people that don't have anything else. And we're called to stand up and make a difference. We are a generation that has no excuse. We have no excuse. We are bombarded by images every day. We see it on our TV screens. We cannot look away. William Wilberforce, when he um, brought up the whole issue of the, of, of the abolition of slavery, and he, he would put it in the face of people. And he was famous for saying, you may choose to look away, but you will never again be able to say we did not know. So often we choose to look away. So often we feel crippled by the enormity of it all. But what would happen if we all stood up and we all said, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to do something about this and decide to be sheep rather than goats. For my last point, just really quickly, um, I'm going to give give the title of my point. Uh, I wasn't going to be offensive, but then I thought, what the hell? Because Jesus clearly here talks about eternal judgment, right? Now, this is incredibly non-PC. It's very offensive. It's evident that so often within the ministry of Jesus, he does these really offensive things. Little meek and mild Jesus would do these things that would absolutely shock people. And why did he do this? Well, well, to quote like Mike Bickle, Mike Bickle said that God, um, he offends the mind to reveal the heart. God offends our mind so often to see what's really in here. So, and Jesus, so often he'd be offensive. And then when he offended somebody and they walked away offended by what he said, he never ran after them. So, you know, Jesus says, you, you'll have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they all get really offended by him and they, and they walk away. And you don't see Jesus saying, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me explain to you what I meant. No, he just leaves them, right? He just lets them get on with it. And so often we see this throughout the Gospels. One minute he's calling Peter. He's, he's saying, Peter, you, you are blessed by my father because flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And the next minute, a couple of verses later, he's calling him Satan, right? I think some of you would be offended if Becca called you Satan. In here, I think some of you would quickly leave, right? We just see these incredibly offensive moments. And it's because God wants to humble us. He wants to see whether or not we'll receive what he wants to do. He wraps things up in an offensive package. When Naaman came to Elisha um, and said, you know, you can heal me from leprosy, Elisha tells him to go and wash in the Jordan River and he's offended and he walks away and he nearly loses it. And God does this because he wants to humble us to see whether or not we'll receive what he wants to do. I know nearly all of the like, main revelations and things that, that, that God has given to me, I've had to humble myself to see if I would receive from people. When I came out of anorexia and bulimia, uh, God really spoke to me lots through the Word of Faith movement, which, you know, for me, I wanted to be a, uh, I wanted to be a rock star. I, was, I, I, I thought I, I was going to be the next Kurt Cobain. And here I am sitting in front of people preaching in sharp suits and ties. And, 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 so, and I had to humble myself. But I needed it to be able to be free. I had to humble myself when, uh, when, when I went to Lakeland and there was this guy, an ex-biker, full of tattoos, preaching in his shorts, uh, who was, often couldn't string uh, a sentence of words together. I had to humble myself. And in that place, God blasted me and changed my life in an amazing way. God's 
is not interested in fitting in your box and in my box. He is not really interested in our style of music. He's not really interested in the way that we might choose to do something. God is above and beyond all of those things. So if you are offended by, by, by some of those things, what it, what it will do is it will stop you from being able to receive something in this place. If you're offended because the music's too loud or because the music's too quiet, or if you're offended because the talk's too long or the talk's too short, which I'm about to shut up. Okay, so, so if you're offended by any of those things, it will stop you from receiving what God wants to do. And so we don't really have time to really look at the whole thing of, of I was going to do like a brief overview of the underworld. But when the Bible talks about hell, it's always to the in crowd. Jesus is always challenging the crowd who thought that they had it all sorted, who, who thought that they had it all set in stone. Hell was never created for people. The Bible is really clear that it was created for the, for the devil and for his demons. It was never supposed to be for us. It's never ever supposed to be somewhere where any of us were supposed to go. And there is no reason for any person to ever have to end up in an eternity without God. That choice has been left to us. But so much of that is down to whether you and I will step out and do what only we can do. The reality is heaven and hell exist in the here and now. We've been remembering a moment where hell broke out in an awful, terrible way. If you don't believe in hell, come travel somewhere with me and I'll show you. I'll show you some of hell. But heaven also exists right here and now. And you and I are called to bring heaven here on earth, the kingdom here and now. We are called to be like those groups that, you know, after the D-Day landings, that was the nail in the coffin as far as the Nazis and the Allied uh, 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 troops were concerned. That was the end of the war. But then how many of you know there was a whole period of time where they had to contend and they had to take back everything that had been stolen. They had to take it back again and say, we are going to reclaim what the enemy has stolen that's the time that you and I live in. We are here. We shouldn't go to bed without blood on our swords. We shouldn't go to bed without having made a difference in this world. We need to step over the chicken line and we need to do something about everything that is going on around us because nobody else is going to do it. It's not down to the government. It's not down to, uh, it's not down to good ideas, political manoeuvring and posturing. None of those things are going to make the difference. It's going to be when the church, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will come and I will heal their land. So Lord, here we are as your people. And Lord, we say, God, we do not want to be goats. If people know us, if our actions speak louder than our words, Lord, what would they say? What would they say when they look at my life? What would they say when they look at this church? What would they say? Would they say those are sheep that follow in the footsteps of their shepherd? Those are people who are living out, being the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. God, we know we cannot do it in our strength. So we say, Holy Spirit, would you come? I wonder if the band could come up. Holy Spirit, would you come? And so this is a call. This is a call to choose now. Are you going to stand on the right or are you going to stand on the left? This is a call right now. This is a call to say, God, I want to be one of those ones that is on the right hand side. When you call me, I want to be a sheep that listens to the voice of my shepherd and that lives heaven and advances heaven here on earth. So let's stand to our feet. We're going to connect now with these words on a screen, with these songs. If you don't know this Jesus, then this is an opportunity now to know him. There's an opportunity now to experience and to get a glimpse of heaven in the here and now. So if you don't know him, it's no, there's no magic formula. There's no magic words. I just encourage you to say, Jesus, come into my life. 
come into my life. I want to live for you. I want to see what you have for me. I want to step into that freedom that cost your blood, that freedom that cost that incredible sacrifice. I want to step into that now. If that's you and you want to do that, then I just encourage you right now to just open your heart. If you know that you're far away from Him right now, if you know that you have been acting like a goat and every time He speaks to you, you say, yeah, but choosing to eat just any old thing that comes in front of you, I just want to encourage you right now to say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm coming home. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know you need some prayer for something. Just grab somebody that you trust next to you. We have the prayer area over here. We'd be more than happy to pray for you. But let's just connect with these words on the screen. Let's worship the one who set us free. God bless you.